Hey, everybody. Before we get into the podcast, I want to talk about a really exciting, awesome new sponsor of the show, my good friends Joe and Kyle over at Psychedelics Today, which is an amazing podcast providing uh, excellent information and education and uh, on harm reduction and psychedelic medicines. They have great guests on every week talking about these very, very important topics. So I highly recommend going to check that out. And uh, today we're going to talk with Kyle. He's joining me right now from Psychedelics Today about their new course, Navigating Psychedelics. And in my opinion, from what I've seen, it's, uh, it's really just a comprehensive uh, overview of getting started in psychedelics, what, you know, the kinds of questions that one might have, the kind of information. So it's a great resource, and I'm really, really super happy and excited to be promoting this. I think it's going to be really beneficial to a lot of people. So Kyle, thanks for joining me today to talk about uh, this amazing work that you and Joe have put together, uh, Psychedelics Today and Navigating Psychedelics. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me here. Yeah, so navigating psychedelics, uh, lessons on self care and integration. Uh, it's a pretty much a 101, 102 psychedelic course. Um, Joe and I put it together from like years of experience of working with these states and also really integrate a lot of our training in holotropic breathwork and our, our time studying that. So the course really just is a nice arc. Um, starts off with preparation, what are psychedelics, um, go over harm reduction techniques, testing, safety. Um, and then we get into what is the psychedelic experience. Um, and we kind of have this nice metaphor of, you know, um, a space expedition, right? So what's the preparation like? Um, what is that experience when you kind of get out there in the psychedelic realm? So we go over um, our, a framework that, that we like to use for understanding these experiences. Um, comes from Stan Groff, who is a um, pioneer in LSD research um, and uh, and transpersonal psychology. He's been studying this stuff for a long time. And then we, on the descent back down, we talk about self-care. How do, you, how do we take care of ourselves after an experience? And then the integration process. How are we moving our, these experiences or these insights forward into our daily lives so we can make some change? And so <clears throat> the course is jam-packed with material. We have 13 or 14 uh, master classes um, that include interviews, with experts that have been providing integration in the field of psychedelics. Um, and it comes with a bunch of great resources. Uh, we have a trip journal, an integration workbook, um, which actually you can get a physical copy on Amazon, but um, the, we have PDF downloads in the course. Um, we have some music playlists, uh, a, a brief little breathwork introduction, and tons of tools and, and techniques and interviews. It's really a jam-packed course. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's just so great to see you guys putting this together. I know that it can benefit so many people, and through your experience, um, you know, this is you're a student of of these uh, transpersonal uh, psychology and you know the holotropic breathwork practices and learning from Stan Groff. You know taking yours and Joe's experience as well as the the information and education that you've learned and, and are now sharing from others it's uh it's really awesome and uh yeah it's just it's so beneficial because there's so many questions out there and everybody's experiences are different and there's a lot of harms and there's a lot of dangers and there's a lot of what should we look for and what should we avoid and in my opinion it seems like you and Joe are right on the leading edge of providing the best updated most well vetted and um, 
educational resources out there. So yeah, I highly recommend people going to check this out. I'm going to have a link in the show notes that you can click on and it will take you directly there. Uh, If you want to go check out their website, it's Psychedelics Today. And like uh, Kyle was just saying, great introduction to what psychedelics are, to their background, um, to the preparation and safety uh, and reducing harm and having a nice, respectful journey in this process. Um, So Thank you, uh, for Kyle, for coming on and explaining that. Uh, any Anything else that people should know about the course or where to go or anything else that you want, would like to add? Yeah, Joe and I uh, like to say it's the course that we wish we had when we were younger, exploring um, non-ordinary states of consciousness. And so, um, yeah, it's just everything we've put together from our own personal experiences and also academic career. Um, you know, I did an undergrad in transpersonal psychology and really took a lot of time analyzing and studying these states of consciousness. Um, And also, yeah, I think, you know, one of the main goals that we like to emphasize about this course is to maximize the benefit and reduce the harm. So keeping people out of um, jail, out of hospitals, and hopefully really maximizing your potential if you are going to engage in this. So really taking a harm reduction approach here, and we really just want people to stay safe. Excellent. Yeah, this is an in- invaluable uh, resource, guys. And, you know, when working with uh, these medicines or, you know, when just enjoying them recreationally, there's a lot of things that can come up. And um, and these guys, in my opinion, have put together something truly amazing here, and I'm happy to share that with the Mycadelic crowd. So please go check that out, Psychedelics Today. I'll put the link in the uh, show notes. And um, yeah, and, and, and check out their podcast. And also, uh, if there's extra support that's needed, I know that uh, you guys offer that as well. So uh, thanks. Thanks again, Kyle, for sharing that. And, um, and yeah, and uh, look forward to uh, continuing on this journey and, and hopefully giving people the best uh, advantage that they can have when navigating this realm. So perfectly titled course, Navigating Psychedelics, uh, Lessons in Self-Care. Go check that out, guys. Uh, thank you so much again, Kyle and, and Joe, for putting this together. And thanks for coming on, Kyle, to, to talk about it. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mycadelic. Got a great show for you today. I have another wonderful psychedelic Michael on the show. Michael Phillip, host of Third Eye Drops, joins me for an awesome conversation. I, I really um, really enjoyed this one and I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface. So uh, I'd love to have Michael back on the show and, uh, and dive even deeper. Michael's got a great show at Third Eye Drops where he's really slinging verbal, really just uh, be a conversational gunslinger. And uh, the guy's got a way with words, man. Uh, go give Third Eye Drops a listen, and, uh, and you'll hear the way that he precisely picks powerful prose, pungently placed in your pineal gland. See, I gave it a I gave it a shot, something, something to, the, to that extent. But really, you do get to hear 
you know, the, the intellectual depth and the uh, curiosity, the, you know, he's, he's definitely someone that uh, I really uh, enjoyed having a chat with because these are the kinds of conversations that I like to have. I call them mind jams. Michael calls them mind meld, which is who knows where it's going to go. Um, you know, what, what's going to come up for me during the conversation? Am I going to discover something new? Which oftentimes, I forget who said this. Uh, someone said, I write because I need to understand what I think. And I think that's great. I've, I've never really been super attracted to, to writing, particularly. I've always liked conversation and speaking more. And oftentimes in conversations that I'll have, like on this show uh, with this guest and solo cast that I do, I need to talk in order to understand what I what I believe and what I think. And some you know when I get in conversations like uh, the one you're about to hear, oftentimes I am tri- you know there's something that triggers in my mind that says like, "Oh yeah." You know, so I'm always having these "Oh yeah" moments and thinking about, "Oh, that reminds me of this," or "I'd like to talk about that," or you know, so uh, it's great when you can get into these mind jam, mind melds, you know, these cosmic conversational surfing quests. Uh, it's 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 fun. It's enjoyable. One of the things that I like to do the most. So very happy about uh, the the guest today. I think Michael's that kind of guy. He gets to the heart, to the core of the issue. He wants to, you know, dive deep and and really investigate like a like an archaeologist dusting for bones of the ideas of the great philosophers and psychologists and the ones that are living that he has on his show, uh, but influencing, uh, being influenced by these great minds, these great thinkers, to then absorb that, that stuff, look at the world, and then apply it through our experience and our interpretation and, and uh, how, you know, how we can make sense of that. Uh, for ourselves. So I think Michael does a great job of that. Third Eye Drops is a really cool show. His articles on Medium are great too. So go check that out. All the links are in the show notes. Uh, some of the articles are called The Beauty of Not Knowing, uh, You Are the Answer that I just mentioned, and Masks of Happiness, Why Real Satisfaction Requires Purpose and Transcendence. Go check out his podcast, Third Eye Drops, uh, thirdeyedrops.com, and go check out his writings, which he also publishes on Medium. What else? I don't know. Um, Danny Barnett and Galaxia, thanks for the music. Decriminalize Denver. If you're in Denver, uh, get out and vote. Vote on 301 on May 7th to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms in the city and county of Denver, Colorado. Big issue, huge, important issue for cognitive freedom, cognitive liberty, and uh, supporting people's rights and respecting the individual to uh, choose what they want to consume for their mind, body, spirit, and how they choose to participate in the healing process of their human experience and their human journey. So very important to get out and vote for that. If you can't vote for that, just share the decriminalized Denver stuff on, on social media. Donate to the campaign if you can. Go to decriminalizedenver.org and just get involved because this is really cool. If this can happen here and they can decriminalize uh, psilocybin mushrooms in Denver, then we could create a model for how the new modalities of existence can be. You know, what the new sorts of environments and value systems and ways that human beings can organize themselves in society, this can be the new model of how we can do that and we can bring that out and it can spread like the mycelial network does as above, so below. All right, guys, that's it. 
long intro again. I'm sorry. I just can't be a concise. I'm not as good as our guest, Michael Phillip, who is a concise, precision language, linguistic ninja uh, when it comes to these things. But on Mycadelic here, I'm a verbose, vagabond, vivacious, verbal, venturer, voluptuously entranced by victory no okay i i get i tried to give it another shot but uh oh that reminds me one more thing uh before we get into the episode some awesome guests coming up next so uh keep an eye out we have hamilton souther makes his return to the podcast so i had an awesome conversation with hamilton that's coming out soon naraj nayak uh founder of soma breath known as the renegade pharmacist is also going to be on the show next and jeffrey martin of the Founders Project, and among many other things. So stay tuned for that. All right. Without further ado, Michael Phillip of Third Eye Drops. Peace. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject the Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Thank you so much. So yeah, we got a we got a Michael squared uh, psychedelic uh, <laughs> rap going on this morning. So yeah, so, psychedelic something or others. Yeah, Psych, psych, psychedelic Michaels. Psychedelic Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think I've, I've been kind of aware of what you were doing for a little while. I think we you know we've we've had a lot of uh, similar guests on the show here and there. Corey Allen, Eric Godsey, a couple other people, um, and uh, and and I just I I never really used Twitter, and like I was on Twitter one day, and I saw you posted this article, and I was like, oh, sounds interesting, and I read it, and I was just like, I don't know, it was just like the, the synchronicity of it or something, like I, I was like, yeah, like this is perfect for what's I feel like is going on right now, or at least what I'm seeing. So I think maybe maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Um, for sure. Yeah. I'd love to kind of like expand upon those thoughts that you that you wrote about. Um, but first, I, I kind of want to talk just a little bit about like podcasting and and like you and how you got started and all that stuff. If you if you want to dive into that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always just been kind of a, a blabbermouthy type of person who likes to explore through the the art of of conversation. I guess you can say. And I remember distinctly in about. I was actually teaching English in Japan in 2011 when people started hitting me with, you ever, you ever heard of this guy, Joe Rogan? You ever heard of this guy, Duncan Trussell? Kind of like the, the typical godfathers of this whole uh, you know, art form that's kind of 
skeeted all over the technoverse at this point. But and just thinking like, holy shit, this is the types of conversations that I naturally have and naturally gravitate toward. And I just felt this immediate inclination to want to do it. And then I got home from Japan uh, about a year later and started, you know, doing the ritual that we all do of trying to overcome the inertia of not doing something to starting something new. Like, yeah. you, you know, talking yourself through all of the doubt, justifying why you should get behind a microphone and have something to say. And then that, I mean, that whole first year was kind of a, like a tenuous journey. Like I got started with all these other people and it was just not, you know, it didn't, it didn't really get to the heart of what I wanted to do for a while. And then eventually I kind of hit a stride and then I rebooted the show as Third Eye Drops in 2016, I think, and just have been have been going, just been going every week. Yeah, I think probably the most clever name uh, out in the psychedelic podcast sphere. I haven't really like when I saw Third Eye Drops, I was like, yeah, yes, yes, third, yes, exactly. That's, That's awesome. perfect. Yeah. So congratulations on coming up with that that name. It's it's awesome. Um, yeah, that, that initial inertia, like that resistance that comes and that kind of like, who's going to want to listen to me and like, what do I have to say and what credibility do I have? And like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I still deal with that, that stuff, you know, all the time. It's like this constant kind of checking myself to be like, wait, did I, did I sound too confident and like assured in that (laughs) idea that I was presenting or that thought that I was communicating? But I'd like to think that, you know, these podcasts that I do, and I think your podcast too, are these kind of like free form, kind of exploratory mind jam sessions of just, you know, surfing the infinite cosmic waves of, of wonder, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's exactly what they are. And nobody, you know, on one hand, nobody really needs a credential to do that. It's like you're it's your birthright as a human being to explore why the fuck you're here, what you're doing. And the primary way to do that is by questioning and by having conversations, or at least that's what I gravitate toward. Some people are born with an innate bias toward, you know, doing experiments in the laboratory of their mind or through math or through logic. And those people are, are lucky in a way because there's, there's like really well-defined fields of study to undergo those, that sort of work through. But for people who gravitate toward conversation, like everybody has that right. Anybody can hit record in a conversation and put it out there. That said, I do think that that, that self-check that's built into all of our egos, that resistance, that doubt is there for a very specific reason. And it and you should grapple with that on a daily basis. I mean, people who don't have that filter, it, it's a really fine line, man, because you want to be balanced obviously there's a there's a middle path there you the people who who don't have a filter at all and are just constantly i mean i again i don't want to name any any uh names but sometimes you just like you know i'll get tagged in things for whatever reason alongside many other podcasters and creatives that i respect and you know it's just it's really hard to to say this without without giving too much away and potentially incriminating someone. But <laughs> there, there are just these people out there who, who don't have a filter and they don't have this sense of like, like what's worth putting out and what's not worth 
putting out. And, and I don't know where that line is. I'm no authority on that. But you can just sort of feel it when people don't quite have it. But then on the other end of the spectrum, people who never put anything out, that's just an, that's an equivalently you know, problematic demon. That's That's a really tough one to grapple with too. I mean, I'm sure everybody has friends out there who are, are self-proclaimed artists or writers who just have mountains of work in their bedroom and they've never released any of that shit. And that's really sad too. So there is this kind of middle path, of course, but I do think all of us have that right, man, especially when it comes to having conversations. It's like the most natural, most human thing you can do. Yeah. Like you said, there's no real kind of structured, ordered uh, school or authority to kind of like guide this exploratory form of conversations and, you know, really kind of being informed through our reading, our research, but also our direct subjective experiences, and then kind of fusing that with others to to piece this puzzle together of something that we're working through or thinking of. So that's super important. What um what are some I you mentioned the the holy godfather of Joe Rogan and, right. and Duncan Trussell. I mean, that seems to be a common story. That was mine. You know, I was doing stand-up comedy in New York and I was walking dogs and I would throw on podcasts all day and I would just hear right. these conversations right. that I wanted to be a part of because I was thinking those things and I was talking to people about that stuff. A lot of times I was talking to people about that stuff and they were like, All right, all right, wow, okay. This is this is heavy, man. I'm like, wow, where can I have like time to explore that? Who who else who else is um I guess who else has inspired you and they don't have to be podcasters necessarily, but also and who else is like currently like who else is like currently tickling your neurons and electrifying your your modes of thought right now? I've been revisiting philosophy proper lately and then also doing a lot of my own writing because I think there's a there's a really primary challenge that you're confronted with when you start doing a lot of reading. And um, I'm going to try not to butcher this quote. Um, I'm I'm actually just going to get the sentiment across because I'm definitely not going to get the quote right. But I was just talking to uh, this philosopher who's just a real proper PhD philosopher who makes you makes you feel so uh, like you have an intellectual micro penis when you talk to him. (laughs) Uh, And his name is um, Peter Shojet. At Showstead, yes, Showstead. yeah, I can I'm familiar with him. Yeah, well, and uh, man, he he's so brilliant, and he comes at a lot of uh, you know classical philosophy from a more psychedelic, introspective angle. And he said this quote: I, "It might have been like a like Bertrand Russell or something, but it's something to the effect that like the problem with reading too much is that you." lose the ability to form opinions of your own because you're constantly querying everybody else's ideas. So for me, it's a really fine line between exploring other people's ideas, but then really sitting down to do the work of like, okay, so what do I think? How does this flavor my existence? How does this further my understanding of questions that are, you know, uh, causing existential wriggles in my own life? And so, so it's a balance. But unsurprisingly, I tend to gravitate toward philosophers that explore the nature of reality in such a way that tries to look behind the veil and tries to, you know, ontologically define the undefinable, as paradoxical as that sounds. But I think that that's, I was going to say what we're all kind of looking for and trying to put our finger on, 
but again, I think it depends on your, on your personal predilection. But for me, that's been, it's always been something that's been a burning question. I mean, I, I vividly remember being young and, you know, not believing in mainstream religion, thinking that, uh, you know, I can't believe these people swallow these answers, you know, from, 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 uh, priests, politicians, whatever, like none of it ever made enough sense to me. And I, you know, I did the typical, I'm a jaded teenager thing and, you know, nothing, you're like, ah, people, everybody believes this, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And then I actually remember sitting in my philosophy 101 class and just thinking like, it's time to shift your focus, man. There, you, you could sit here in this, this jaded masturbatory cesspool of, yeah, I can't believe people believe this crap. Or you could get out there and search just the, the infinite, never-ending library of ideas and brilliance and wonder that's out there. So that that was sort of a, a really big shift for me. But it's, you know, it's not, it's, I'm not going to hit you with too many super esoteric names. It's really all the philosophers you hear about. Like, I think if I, if I could attach any ist to myself, which is not uh, anything I really aspire to do, but for me, it's like lineage that starts with Plato. It's, it's the platonic, you know, ideas because, um, I'm sure you've heard there's a, there's a famous quote by the philosopher Whitehead that Mm. is somebody to the extent of um, all of, yeah, yeah. It's like all of Western philosophy is basically a series of footnotes to Plato. And for me, that's just, that's so true because he presented such a clear, cohesive, um, metaphysical underpinning that I, I can never get away from it personally. And that's where I keep coming back to. And I think, I think that probably, probably answers your, your question, although it, it, it implies many more and I could continue rambling, but I'll, I'll kick it back to you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I hope you do continue uh, to ramble. That's, that's <laughs> what we do here. But yeah, I, I, I agree. It's amazing. It's like, you know, when you're thinking about these, these sort of, amazing, profound, revolutionary, transformative ideas that have informed civilizations and humanity over the ages. And then you look back and there's like one guy standing back there just kind of like, hey, don't worry. Like, I got a lot of it figured out. You guys just run with it. We'll just I kicked the dominoes. (laughs) You deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was was Plato the student of Socrates? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he was. Yeah. Socrates is most famous student. And as you, as you, and probably most people know, Socrates never wrote anything down. So right. we had, you know, he, we he had was a his, podcaster. Yeah, right. He was, yeah, <laughs> he, was, no microphone. he was, the, he was the, the OG proto podcaster. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're reliant upon his students for, you know, relaying his, his ideas. And there, there's sort of the, the same kind of air about him as almost like a Jesus, you know, where you, you have all of these different uh, students of his that were following him and just insistent upon his brilliance and how he was the most brilliant man living in Athens at the time. And these are other brilliant people. And Plato emerged, obviously, as the most famous student of his and the most, I don't know if he was the most prolific writer on Socrates, but he's certainly the most famous and, and did the most uh, to further Socrates's reputation and solidify him, uh, you know, as kind of this like immortal stone man of, of philosophy. So 
so yeah, that yeah, he was absolutely uh, a student of Plato and um, or a student of Socrates rather. And yeah, there's there's so many. I mean, it's hard to know. The, the problem we run into is it's really hard to know whose ideas were whom's, you know, because it's, is it the editorialization of Plato's ideas through, or Socrates's ideas through Plato that made Socrates seem so brilliant? Or was it just a really uh, perfect, objective relaying of exactly what Socrates thought? I, I kind of think, I mean, I personally think that Plato put a lot of his own flavor in there, but you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, I would think so. If so many people considered him to be brilliant, I feel like you can kind of get a sense when maybe someone's just like regurgitating somebody else or copying someone mm -hmm. else. So yeah, for him to put his own, his own mark on there, I think is really the mark of, of a great thinker, you know, someone that can really kind of synthesize the ideas and, let them percolate and formulate in their own mind and then really bring something kind of new to the table. Right. You know, which is right. extremely difficult. I, you know, I, I'd like to think that, that I offer something, but I don't think I offer anything new necessarily right. when I, That's when hard. I communicate, which is, yeah, which is really hard, which is really difficult. Um, but then again, it, it, it almost is like, how do we how do we know you know when somebody kind of reveres somebody for their genius when some when when a group of people kind of foist somebody up and says like hey this is the person th these are these ideas are clear they're lucid they're profound they're 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 calibrated more towards the realm of where we feel the truth is where does that like i want i wonder sometimes like where that comes from you know like where that knowing yeah. comes from inside of us that we how can we recognize that well yeah the greeks thought that it came from external sources you know that i'm sure you're familiar with the uh original idea of genius was actually a being that visited you and it like inspired you with an idea and that the genius would come and express itself through you and through your art and of course i i don't know if it's this esoteric or this exoteric thing but I do think that it's extremely fleeting and you can feel it when it shows up in sort of an inspired flow state and you're just in the sort of ecstasy of doing and you're not thinking about what you're doing. Like if you're writing the next words, just popping out. If you're playing music, the next notes, just riffing out of the guitar. Amazing moments. Doing yeah. a ramble on a podcast, <laughs> you're just going and you're not thinking about what you're saying. It's just coming off the top of the dome. And I, I think that it's, that is the essence of it. It's when you're fully tapped into it, there's no question. It's this palpable thing that's right there in the moment. And that's the essence of novelty. That's what Terrence McKenna was always rambling about and chasing after and why he was so good at capturing it because he was able to somehow turn off the frontal lobe and just go and just, you know, use it's It's interesting because even though it's entirely in the moment and it's being generated in the now it's still going through the prism and the genius of the individual. And Terrence McKenna had so much of that naturally. So he, you know, it was like this just fire of, of novelty that would come out of his mouth, but also through the prism of his insane experience and just countless psychedelic trips and so much reading and so much conversation that, that, you know, I think that's what immortalized him. But to get back to the original question of, of where that comes from, of course, I, I don't know, but ah, damn it. Seem, I thought you were going to be able to give me an answer. <laughs> there, there <laughs> we does, figured it out. There does seem to be, yeah, 
there does seem to be this this sort of nowness that is palpable when it's there. Like nobody seems to doubt it when it's there. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's kind of like it reminds me of this uh you know, it's if you try to take apart any anything, you know, even a physical object and really break it down, break it down to its components, it's not going to make any fucking sense, man. Like you're, I was, you know, I was just like watching something before this, um, talking about, uh, this conversation that happened between the two famous philosophers, uh, Locke and Berkeley. And, uh, Locke was a famous critic of a lot of these rational ideas that we've been talking about, you know, like, um, a lot of times, Plato is considered the, you know, the one of the godfathers of rationalism because to him the the rational mind was more real than the physical world. Like the the realm of mind was a a higher level of reality than the sort of per like the, the physical world was almost a perversion to him. You know, it was like an emanation of something transcendent and greater but not the not the true world. And I'm I'm sure everybody's familiar with the allegory of the cave and, you know, mm-hmm. the sort of illusory, like he was really the first person to, maybe not the first person, but he was the first person to make famous the sort of idea that you live in a sort of matrix, you know, you live in a sort of illusory world that is a, a very poor reflection of what real reality is. And what real reality was to him was the mind. But so getting back to what, how, I, how I started this, this conversation between uh, Locke and Berkeley is you know if you if you look at this cup that I'm holding up right now for everybody who's just listening it's this white mug right and you start asking questions about its qualities you know oh we can measure this we can uh we can break it down to this component and that component where in this mug is the white you mm, know yeah is is it is it is it in a molecule no it's not in a molecule it, so when, when you start to ask these questions about the nature of even physical objects it starts to become this like like this abstract concept very quickly and i don't even remember why i'm talking about this now but um <laughs> we, we've entered the realm of abstraction we're keep going i think it made sense uh what, what was your original question well yeah remember? so it's like so exactly what you're saying so it's like when trying to kind of like calibrate reality for like normal understanding yeah. when there is somebody who can kind of tap into that frequency and explain it. And I think you did a good job of talking about that with when talking about Terrence and like, you know, the, mm. the genius and the flow that comes through. I think that that really is what it is. Some people are just better at, at capturing that lightning in a bottle than others. But it's also the 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 recognizing of that from the, you know, the audience or, you know, from people that are listening right now, we're yeah. talking about something. Are they understanding? Is this too abstract? Are they able to say, right. ah, yeah, oh, that's the thing. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of a participatory endeavor, right? That 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 happens yeah. between the person who's communicating these things and the person that's trying to understand them. So I guess I mean, yeah, it it can get a little caught in the weeds when talking about this stuff for sure, right? right. I mean, you can yeah, break down that mug infinitely, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> you can, you can, and I think the the bottom line in this whole conversation too is that. You can get too like sometimes I'll speak with people, you know, like like Peter Shostad or something. He knows so much about so much technical philosophy and so many people that he could, you know, he's just spitting hot fire and I'm sitting there getting my 
my brain melted, but you're right. <laughs> to some people, they might, they're like, I don't even know who this guy is. And we're like 10 minutes into talking about his like super technical theories. And yeah, not, that's not going to be for everybody, but it will be infinitely re rewarding to the right people. And that's sort of like that, that's just as important. Maybe it's not going to give you as big of like sponsorship deals or something, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but there's definitely a place for it. And I think like for people to make room for that is very, very important because take a look around, man, take a look at what the normal discourse is and right. what generates the most clicks. We got to get the good shit in. We got to get the meaty, hard to understand, dense ideas in wherever we can. Even if it's like, even if it's only going to make a, you know, an oblique dent in your mind and you'll barely take anything away from it, being exposed to that kind of stuff is unbelievably important. Right. Yeah. If it can be presented into in, in a way that's that's palatable and engaging and 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 that hooks somebody so that it's relatable and they can understand it. Because oftentimes a lot of this stuff will just go right over their heads, but then they'll attach to, and I think this is what you brought up in the article too, which was really good on Medium. Uh, they'll attach to these other kinds of ideas. You know, they'll have a, maybe they'll have a psychedelic experience and be like, oh my God, I, I had a mushroom. I took a heroic dose. I am from Zeta Reticula. I'm, I'm from the Pleiades. I, I have a message. I'm a star child. I'm an indigo uh, person. And this is my mission. And this is my, like, where, where did that transmission come from? Is that like, or, or even like the phenomena of, of cults. And I would argue that, you know, we, we live in a massive cult, you know, right now in this kind of mainstream sure. corporatocracy you know, corporatocracy and government culture and all this kind of stuff. It is a cult in a certain sense. And, uh, and then you have these like little smaller cults where you could have a, a leader guy up there saying, and this is the truth and this is the way and people will fucking buy into that. But what, where's that? Like, what's going on there? Like, where's that disconnection is how come, how come we're able to look at that from the outside and and, and criticize it. And should we criticize it? And I think the answer is probably yes, right? Like we should kind of, as you said in the article, uh, what, what, what Terrence said so eloquently is, you know, <laughs> deciphering shit from Shinola, right? Like distinguishing right. the differences right. between that. So mm -hmm. yeah, look, mm -hmm. what's up with that, man? <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I, uh, allow me to, to recap the the article yeah please for people who who haven't read it so it's called you are the answer and the whole underlying idea is that there is this conditioning that we've all undergone where we're just so trained to look to the outside for answers to look to outside authorities to look to teachers to look to gurus to look to experts to tell us how to do something and tell us what the right way is and Every questioning person as they grow up is going to start rejecting traditional sources of knowledge to a certain extent. They're going to realize that these adults are fallible. They're going to realize that, hey, these are just people out there struggling to figure it out just like me. So they're going to start looking to new sources. And I think that that is a beautiful thing and we all should do that. But at the same time, that's where a lot of problems can happen. Because if you're not equipped with the right tools to separate the shit from Shinola, as Terrence McKenna puts it, you're going to end up in a we you can end up in some really weird places, you know, on the extreme end of things, you could, you could, uh, how many people out there think it's a great idea to blow themselves up right now? You know, there's a right. 
an unfortunate number of people who think that it's a good idea to blow themselves up because they started to hear what they perceived to be the quote unquote truth. And now they're out, you know, just think about the insane indoctrination involved in that. I mean, in a less extreme, uh, angle you're going to have people out there who start going to new age conferences thinking that like you said that they're uh <laughs> that they're a, like actually a pleadian conscious like from the pleadian uh whatever the pleiades are group yeah of yeah group of stars yeah yeah and uh and and they think that they're put here to like raise the vibration of of consciousness on the planet earth i've i've met these people it's, right it's unbelievable to just try to have a conversation with them it's like Never have I heard people say so many words and never say anything. Mm. You know, it's just, it's all jargon. It's all new age gobbledygook that means nothing. Right. And, you know, these are the places that you can wind up when you're not equipped with the skills and the critical uh, tools and the, the, the sort of intellectual blade to cut through the bullshit. And that's where the danger crops up. And I think the way to avoid that is to, flip the paradigm. You've got to stop looking outside for answers. You got to stop looking to gurus. You got to stop looking to experts. You got to stop looking to even other, you know, people that you admire for the ultimate answer. Of course, I'm not saying that uh, we don't need teachers. We don't need community. We don't need guides. But uh, as Socrates said uh, in the article, I, I highlight this quote is that Socrates is really the ultimate teacher, right? Like everybody basically agrees. Like we were talking before, he's basically this God level, immortal philosopher. His ideas have rippled throughout history ceaselessly for thousands of years. Every single person knows who he is. Every single person, uh, under, like even the most walk to a random person on the street, they'll say, oh yeah, he's this old sage, wise man from ancient Greece, right? Everybody knows that. That's how good his ideas were. That's how much of an impact he's had on... on yeah, he was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Right, yeah. Socrates. So, <laughs> so what, what he said is that he is but a midwife for knowledge. He can help facilitate the birth of knowledge in the mind of other men or women or whatever, of course. But he, it does not come from him. It comes from each person individually. And we need to get back to that paradigm. We need to figure out how to give birth to information in ourselves and in, in other people. And that's a very key distinction. It, you know, you, you could get into this conversation where it starts to sound semantic, like, well, wherever the information comes from, we need to get it. But I disagree. I think when you invert the conversation, when you switch to the esoteric viewpoint of that there's something primordial within me that is the ultimate authority and that's what I should be seeking after I think that's when you can start to have some real key epiphanies because if I badger my friend and be like dude you're you know you're in this shitty job you're in this bad relationship you have these asshole friends or parents or whatever you got to make changes you got to stop doing these drugs whatever their, their problem is that doesn't like that can easily bounce right off of them if the right levers and switches don't flip inside of themselves. And that's what we need to be after because you can say you want to change. You can have other people telling you, you need to change. You can have, you know, whatever, but until that, you know, it's, it's palpable again, when it goes off in somebody's mind, you see it. It's like, you don't have to tell them 
to not eat the food that's making them morbidly obese anymore. You don't have to tell them to stop taking the drug that's killing them. It's, it's a choice that goes off in their own being somehow. And that's what we all need to be going after. You know, and it has the power to take these really like simple things like writing down a goal or something. And I say this in the article as well. You know, if someone tells you, you got to write down your goals, okay, and you begrudgingly do it, that's not very powerful. But if, if you believe that you're making a covenant with yourself, you're, you're sending a transmission, a prayer, whatever you want to call it, to the deepest, deepest fiber of your being that, you know, could actually connect it to all of the transcendent oneness in the universe, or it's just an idea, or it's just a part of your psyche, whatever. When you do that, it's infinitely more powerful. It's like it becomes this like sacred prayer to, you know, a future version of yourself. And when you do that versus, you know, like, oh, this guy told me I should do this. It's it's night and day. It's, oh, it's totally. so much more than a semantic thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I think I think we did kind of figure out that that previous question. It it's about lighting that fuse within inside somebody. You know mm-hmm. that 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 spark of curiosity to for them to then willingly and voluntarily go on that path of of discovering for themselves and really maybe for the first time thinking for themselves, you know, and then, and then we get into this whole thing of like, you know, like what you're talking about right there. And I, I believe that's true because you're, you're sort of constructing this, you know, if we want to call it like an energetic frequency through intent, through language, through writing something on a page that is creating this reverberation in your you know, field of consciousness or whatever that then informs, you know, informs you to, to move forward because it's coming from within and it's being delivered to the higher self, I guess, you know, to the higher intent, to the higher purpose on a willingful level, you know? So I think that's, that's really the key there is to give, you know, try and offer something up that that sparks a curiosity within somebody so that they willingly want to explore and make the changes because any other way is just, you know, it's just shit. It's just it's just tyranny and force and coercion and manipulate it's dark arts. You know, it's manip- manipulating language and trying to convince people of things and persuading them and and that just that that has that's dangerous, right? Like that has. Yeah. And it's, it's also, I mean, even if it's not, you know, as insidious as that, it's like, it's just another person's idea and another person's idea is never as impactful as your own idea. Right. I mean, like when it's, you know, man, if anybody's been involved in any kind of artistic project, like I played in, in bands for years and when you would hammer out an idea and work on it and then feel the anxiety of, oh, this part needs work, this part needs work, and then feeling like it's good enough to show everybody else in the band, like that idea is like so sacred to you now, you know, and that's, this is sort of like an an egoic uh, sort of um, problematic example, but it's kind of like that, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of like this, this thing that you've nurtured, you've given birth, birth to you've shaped is like that is just so much more valuable to you and when you start to do that to your own mind and your own psyche and your own goals it's it becomes this 
uh, it's it's difficult to even wrap it in nomenclature because it, yeah. it becomes like this this sacred ritualistic bond that you create with yourself like when i um and it's you know again it's not the the exercises themselves are not these weird things that are hard to under, hard to understand it's the intent it's why you're doing it and if you if you sit down with the notion of like whatever's about to go down in this paper is like is sacred and i'm going to be real careful about what i write because it's I'm fucking like etching it into my soul right now. If you think of it that way, dude, that's some powerful shit. And it will rattle around in your brain all day long. It's like, remember when you made that covenant with yourself about doing X, Y, and Z, you're not doing those things right now. Mm. And when you, when you have that in your mind, the, the knowledge that you're not doing these things, it kind of drives you a little bit crazy and it helps me stay responsible and on my shit so much more. Yeah. I think it kind of ushers you into a whole new frame of, of like, of being where now you're kind of, when you're moving into that space, when you've created something, when you've made that covenant, when you're walking towards that, that path, it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like a, ch a challenge and a test that if you can live up to that, that then new levels of the game will appear to you. And then you'll really start moving on to discovering these kind of genuine thoughts and ideas and feelings and emotions and habits that, that start forming and, and are birthed out of this new and, and novel way that you created, you know, and that, mm -hmm. and that is mm -hmm. way better. I think than I think, I think that everybody has to kind of follow somebody else at least first, you know, as some form of imitation, at least right. until you kind of grapple and you get a sense of what you, where you really fit. You know, I think like when I started, I don't do comedy anymore, but when I started doing stand up, like I was definitely like imitating the guys that I liked a lot, you know, and then I, and right. then eventually I kind of found my own groove, my own flavor. And then that's when really the newness and, the, and that stuff starts birthing and opening up a whole new level of adventure to be discovered on that, on that realm. Yeah, it's, it's the path. I think that's a natural progression in the path it's the same with me again for me with music it's the same with podcasting because it's you see something about yourself in those people you you see something that you realize is kind of latent within you that could be awakened and it feels good you you see them expressing that through themselves and you know that in you there's something similar and it's mm. reminding you of it and it's making you want to wake it up and i think it makes sense that you would start, you know, by imitating. I think everybody does that. Artists do, like everybody does that, right? Yeah, playing cover songs, things like that. Right. Yeah. Although comedians but, never do cover jokes, which is yeah, you can't interesting. Do that. You can't, you're not supposed to, at least. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, not. Yeah, the, the naughty. <laughs> um, but that's what I think. I think that's that's what it is. It's it's seeing, you know, an aspect like a latent aspect of yourself that you're almost being reminded that that's what's drawing you toward it is it's like you're being reminded of this thing that you have the capacity for somewhere within you if again you do the necessary toil and work to do it yes I mean, yeah that's the key right there yeah absolutely absolutely so i think there is of course there there is this interplay between the, this esoteric and exoteric that we're talking about but the only thing that makes sense to me is the internalization and that you know this that sort of birth process that socrates was talking about that i mentioned before the 
anything that's real that's palpable that that's uh evolutionary that metamorphosizes you is is an internal endeavor it's it's an it's a transmutation yeah totally yeah when when you were talking i was reminded of um of this great quote uh, by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, where he says, a man should learn to detect and watch that gleam of light which flashes across his mind from within, more than the luster of the firmament of bards and sages. Yet he dismisses without notice his thought because it is his. In every work of genius, we recognize our own rejected thoughts. They come back to us with certain alienated majesty. It's like, that's great. Yeah. It's like, fuck. Yeah. And that, and that's good. Like for me, when I first heard that, I was like, that means like, just go like when I, when I recognize this thing, cause how many times you've probably seen this before, right? I, I assume that you probably have you you think something and maybe you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. And then you see somebody else like publish it or do it. And you're like, mm-hmm, fuck, mm-hmm. I, I thought that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, catching on to that gleam of light. It is. It absolutely is. I think the more you can put your head down and do the work and put it out there, the better. I don't think, I don't think a swing and a miss is the worst thing in the world. You know, I mean, how many artists are out there doing everyday work now? You know, there's so many artists on Instagram that are putting out art every single day. And sometimes they'll put something out that doesn't particularly enrapture me, but so what? You know, they're going to do a, they're going to do it again tomorrow and I think the more that you can detach from the possible repercussions or, you know, uh forecasted future of the result of what you're doing, the better. Just put it out there and don't, you know, and I'm kind of contradicting myself before because I mentioned like there are some people with no filter. Like you you do still and that's not good either. And you do still need to have a certain amount of self-criticism, of course, but yeah. Self-awareness, right? Yeah. If, if anything, man, like I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anyone else. I made a video that I published five months ago and it took me probably three months to get the video fully edited and out. And I was like, I'll get this done in a week or two. And it, you know, kept, kept kicking the can down the road and I eventually did publish it. And I didn't even post for some reason. I didn't even like post it on my website for like five months. Mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like it's just know the these feeling, weird yeah. little these weird little like mind traps or procrastinatory like modes of consciousness we we get stuck in. And the more we can avoid those, I think the better it is. Just s- stop trying to rational. Like we were talking about before at the beginning of the conversation. Stop trying to rationalize why you have the authority to do something or why it's worthwhile to do something and just do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. Nine times out of 10. Right. I, I, I agree. I think that that is the best way. And um, uh, I mean, I put so much stuff out there that I look back on and I go, I'm like ashamed of or disgusted by now. But I think it's also a good kind of signal of 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 the growth and the evolution, you know, and I think yeah. that's that's a good thing to see because I don't fucking know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I I'd li- I like to think that like I'm moving closer to ideas and information that's going to better help me in my life when I encounter situations and circumstances that require me to act in a certain way. 
um, that help propel me forward into living in more truth and more honesty. You know, and I think we all get trapped in these things. Just the other day, I was I was talking with my girlfriend about how I was like, shit, like I didn't even realize like my ego, when my ego takes over, like I didn't even realize that I was projecting like onto onto you about this thing that we were going through. And it's like, you know, because I I got so involved in this one mode of thought, you know, and that's that could be very like alluring and seductive, you know, when you when you find a mode of thought and you're like, oh yeah, like this is the rational, this is the real. And I wasn't even applying it to myself. I was like projecting it out onto other right. people. And that was scary because I had to, but thank God I had the awareness to say, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing, right? So yeah, I mean, I think that's, when we're talking about all this stuff, I mean, what is it, because to me, this is kind of what it means to me is to, to act in a, in a way where I'm performing at a level that is true to the, my highest self, that to my highest good, so that I can make a contribution that's worthy and valuable, that helps other people, that helps myself, that helps make my environment and my surroundings a better, more easy place to navigate, right? And more, yeah. more understanding yeah. as well. And I think it's even more basic than that, man, because there's such a crisis oh, of, good. <laughs> of, of being right now, yeah. man. Oh, my God. How, if you want to horrify yourself, look up the, the suicide rates right now. I know. <sighs> suicide, yeah. I believe, is now the second leading cause of death among young people like 18 to 34 or something. Second, it's you know? Crazy. And it's not much better the next age bracket up. I think it's like third or fourth. So when you ask yourself where that kind of the existential hopeless turmoil is emanating from, either there is a unseen epidemic of mental illness and, you know, neurotransmitter imbalances or like there's some sort of genetic demon that's cropping up, but I don't think so, man. I think this is a crisis of being and a crisis of existential or a crisis of an existential nature. And I think it's because people just can't see the meaning in what they're doing. I don't, I think it's because people don't feel like anything they're doing matters anymore in a just endless vacuum of vapid information, nonsense and obligations. And when you start to do something for directed higher purpose, you know, like even, even an art form like podcasting or art, art itself or whatever, just something that in and of itself makes you feel valuable, even better makes it feel kind of sacred, then you're, that's, that's powerful, man. That can pull you out of some really dark, deep holes. And I think that's what, that's what anybody in one of those dark, deep holes needs to figure out for themselves, unfortunately. Um, is how they can do that, like where where that light is and how to go toward that light. So I, it's I just think it's like unbelievably basic. And the pro the problem is is we're just like losing all of the traditional modalities for doing that aren't very attractive anymore. You know, people used to find that through religion. People used to through you know having a nuclear family or whatever. And a lot of people still do. But there's for a lot of those people still there's just like man, I can't believe he was depressed. I you know he had a good job and a good family. And like, suddenly he just, you know, offed himself and people are, 
wondering what it is. And it's like, there's, there's just some, there's a very basic need that's not being met, unfortunately. And I think that we can all do it through what you're, what you were talking about. I really think we can. It's just, but it, it just takes the proper psychic transmutation to use a really flowery, shitty way to explain it. Yeah, we need like a an astral sledgehammer to just cl- crack through people's like uh, minds or something. I saw this. Um, you're talking like yeah, just vapid wasteland of social media you know just all the crap that's out there and it's just like it's not anything new i mean i i read this amazing book a while ago um neil postman's um uh book jesus i'm blanking on the name Uh, amusing ourselves to death amusing ourselves Mm -hmm. to death Mm -hmm. highly recommend amazing book and where he he looks at like huxley's brave new world and orwell's 84 it was was released i think in in 85 so he's like 1984 has come and gone and you know we haven't really seen like a total orwellian transformation but we are kind of seeing more of a huxleyan transformation in this brave new world sense where Look, the the future, there will be no need to ban books because no one will want to read them. You know, we're just going to be right. like, yeah. just like, yeah. like those blobs in WALL-E that are like scooting around on that spaceship, yeah. slurping up big gulps and just entertained yeah. by a constant screen. Uh, but anyway, I saw this great quote and it was, uh, or this great meme that someone posted and it was like a picture of a koala bear and he was like hugging onto this uh, deforest landscape this like cut down tree that was like cut in half and he was like shaking and all weird and these people are like oh look see this this koala bear has mental illness like you know and it's like well his fucking environment is shit like you know what do you expect Mm -hmm. i mean i i i I get a sense that that you you probably feel have the same sentiment and and reading your article and just the day i go on instagram every day and i'm trying to kind of you know spread the show and you know connect with people and make make good art you know make things that are cool but i see so much just i mean platitudes and just like like you said before you know oh just you know I don't know, one, 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 like everything's going to be a type yes and everything's going to be okay. It's like, <laughs> but people feel yeah, and, good when they see that though. It, yeah, and in a way that's better than the alternative because there is also so much just bold negativity out there. Sure, it's sure, negativity of course. For the sake of negativity or it's this sort of, you know, ego porn where it's encouraging people to compare themselves to you and hey, look at how much better than, than you I am, you know, that's kind of like the, this, the, the insidious subtext of a lot of, a lot of, you know, the celebrity, um, culture right now. And that doesn't inspire very much meaning or good feelings in, in the minds of people who are looking at them, realizing like, I'm never going to look like that. I'm never going to have that. So that, that's a problem too. And I think, but I do think the, the empty platitudes are a big problem because they're just they've become these like empty husks of what they're trying to be. They've become these cliche versions that just don't hit people with any kind of impact or immediacy anymore. So that that's a whole separate problem too. But I, so I do think our, our environment largely like the, like the koala, even though maybe it's not trying to kill us, it's slowly sort of doing this vampiric thing to us where it's sucking our, our, our will, you know, by, by making us play these comparison games, making us, um, you know, just 
that much more uninspired, like just robbing our brain of all of its dopamine. Right. And that's not very inspiring either. And I, again, like I, I keep harping on this and maybe it's just because it's where my mind has been lately, but I really think the antidote for that is to turn the lens inside and force yourself to do something, you know, force yourself to do something creative or progressive or learn, you know, just that, that feeling of stretching your neurons and doing something that's hard. That's, you know, you can't, you're not going to sit there and like worry about how, you know, lacking your asses compared to like Khloe Kardashian's or something. If you're I was to, thinking like, that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to like learn a song on the piano or something. So I, I think it's just, there, there's just, there's so much for me, there's so much joy in that, you know, in that process of struggle and, and cutting through the thicket of the unknown. It, it's, it can be an awesome, awesome experience. And it's, it's, but it's just harder. It's harder to go that way. Because it's it's not easy. It's much easier to just keep scrolling, 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 scrolling. And and I do plenty of that. Believe sure, me. I do yeah. plenty of that. But at, at a certain point, it's just you gotta you gotta find it. You gotta find the motivation to get off of that like well well lubricated lane. Oh yeah, it's just yeah this like psychic spider web that's just trapping everybody in. Oh and, yeah. and I mean, and we're participating in it. You know, we're participating in it as well. But it's like. Um, yeah, the, the, that whole, like I was, I was just talking about, you know, this the other day about the, the message, like I got, I got a little frustrated. I was just like, man, it's, it's like so weird. Like I'll write something or I'll, I'll put something out or I'll, I'll have like a really vulnerable podcast that I, I share or whatever. And it's like, fuck, you know, like I, I was, I was hoping for some more clicks or I was hoping for some more likes on this. Yep. And then I see you know, some video of like some guy getting like kicked in the nuts by like a kangaroo. And it's like, you know, millions and millions of likes or whatever it is. And the, the conversation I was actually specifically talking about was um, like, my girlfriend was like, oh, I'm going to go to this like church with like a friend, just like, I don't know that she wants to like go there. Like she's not religious or anything. They were just like checking it out. And my friend the other day, like tagged this photo. He was in LA and he went to that like mega, like Justin Bieber's pastors, mega church guy thing. Who's like the guy who's like, uh, yo, Jesus is, is lit. You know, like God is, is like your homie, you know, like they kind of like package it and like a relatable, he's wearing like ripped jeans and like a cool trendy t-shirt, but like talking about the Bible and stuff. And it's like, Hey, maybe, maybe that's cool. Maybe that's good. I don't know. But there's something to, I think the message that maybe, you know, that we're trying to communicate the sort of what you're saying about like, you know, going into yourself, finding it and discovering it for yourself. That's just not like as like sexy to people. I feel like it doesn't have this like, but it is when you do it. It's like, how do you communicate direct experience and like the, 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 the awe of, of entering into the realm of, of knowing and wonder and like curiosity and joy that comes from walking your individual unique path. It's like, it's kind of hard to like put package that it up is. in like a sexy clickable way. Right. It really is. It's, and I don't know if that kind of thing is good or bad. I guess right. I just defer to it's good for people it's good for, and it's useless for people that it's not good for. Yeah. That's useless for me because to me, it's changing the outfit 
of the same shit that didn't work for me in the in the first place. You know, like put putting a putting a better looking outfit on the same thing is not going to do it for me. Giving it a facelift is not going to do it for me. You know, and I think what it boils down to is throughout the history of all of spirituality, especially in the West, there's been this clear delineation between the exoteric and the esoteric. You know, the exoteric path is you go, you you do actions, physical actions, where you're uh, in a group, you're listening, you're saying prayers, you're, you know, doing prostrations, whatever you're doing. And then there's what we've been largely orbiting around for this whole conversation, which is the esoteric path. It's the inward facing path of exploring your psyche, exploring yourself, figuring out where the root of all of that is, figuring out what the ground level of your being is, and then having that realization that that ground level of your being is the same as everybody else's, and that that's likely what everybody's been talking about when they've been talking about God, or they've been talking about the transcendent or whatever nomenclature you want to use. And I think starting that process is so difficult because we don't have the tools, we don't have the traditions. You know, the, the East, th their, their systems aren't perfect either, but at least they're, they are predicated upon contemplative practice. They're predicated upon sitting down and going in and letting layers, uh, you know, kind of spill away and taking the veils off of yourself and of existence and doing that very methodically regularly we don't have that here i mean we're not born valuing that we can't weigh it we can't make money out of it so it's just this thing that to most people they don't see the point in doing it but when you fast forward that experience by having a mystical experience it makes it very clear and present and the power of it is is unparalleled, of course. It is possible to have one of those experiences without years and years and years of practice. Uh, and the title of your podcast is kind of alluding to one of the primary ways to do it. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's really, you know, how you make it attractive is by making it personal and by making making it a reality for the person who's looking for it. You're saying, you know, say, yeah, you know, maybe that's a good path, but maybe this is a good path too. Maybe give, give this a try. And if they are able to, and, and that's the thing, man, is you can't just, you can't just, you know, give somebody a bag full of mushrooms and be like, I'm going to change your life. You, you don't know. You don't know. They're like, yeah, dude, I laughed a lot. It was hilarious. You know, that might <laughs> yeah, be as right. far as they get. That might be as far as they get, and that's fine. Uh, I often have conversations like that, you know, with with people, I guess, who are kind of outside of the sphere of of what we're doing, and and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, oh psychedelic, yeah, oh yeah." What do you talk about, like psychedelics? I I did mushroom once, man. Like I went to Six Flags and I was on mushrooms. It was oh, it was dope, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. but I don't do that shit anymore. I got a wife and kids, and you know, right, I'm just exactly. like, right, right. Yeah, I mean. I don't know what to say. Like, I, you know, like, should I launch into a whole kind of thing about like, well, it's not really about that or, or is it just like, Hey, if that's your experience, cool. I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. And that gets back to kind of like this shit from Shinola thing, like where, where Terrence, what Terrence was getting at. Right. And it's kind of like, how do we, how do we tell someone or how to, or who, how do we feel that we have the authority to determine what's good or bad, right? I mean, is that yeah. 
but but there there is something though right there is something there about kind of deciphering i guess what is what maybe is serving and what's not serving but then again it gets back to this point where like well how do you we how do you know if this isn't serving maybe the guy that thinks he's from the pleiades or whatever that's his own way of understanding and making meaning out of something so it's informing him of of his his thing i guess it gets to the point where it's bad is when you have people who are condescending and pretentious and right. Like kind of yeah, imposing yeah. Delusional. 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 That's where it gets right. bad. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, I, I really hate to use this cause it's so cliche, but it is that sort of red pill, blue pill thing that I, I don't really think is real. Like I, I think that that's a false dichotomy a lot of the time, but I think, and I think I use this example in the article as well, that those people often, ironically, who are most likely to use that binary terminology of the red pill, blue pill thing, right. you know, blue pill is illusion, red pill is truth. Most people who use that, that sort of phrasing and claim to be champions of the red pill and questioning are really keeping themselves trapped in the same you know, matrix of, of ideology most of the time. Like they've moved from what they perceive to be a mainstream narrative to now I believe in conspiracy theories and this is what's really real when really now you're just trapping yourself in a new weird little binary mind game of um, I'm for truth and these shape-shifting lizard people are the source of all the evil in my life. Therefore, I have just liberated myself of any personal responsibility because now I know where all the evil is coming from and it's coming from the elites and the deep state and the shape-shifting lizards and the Pleiadian whatever the fucks. And that's, that is not taking the red pill. That's like going into a new, just a new conveniently laid out narrative. And that, I think that's the problem that a lot of people that's the quagmire a lot of people are getting into when they get too deep into these spiritual paths or too deep into their identity politics or their actual politics or their whatever identifications is like you're getting trapped in another game you're not you're not getting any closer to self-realization or to real truth you're getting trapped in another game that's sort of you know there is a real such a thing as as social justice, there is a real problem with conspiracies. There are real conspiracies being perpetrated out there by by bankers, by by crooked politicians, by mobsters, by maybe I don't know, maybe the Illuminati is real. I don't know. Like so, yeah, there there are some conspiracy theories. But what's that going to do for you? Is that going to bring you existential satisfaction? Is that going to motivate you? Is that going to help you do what we've been talking about all throughout this podcast. I don't think it's going to help you do that. I think it's going to distract you further from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You've just entered into a, a new, you know, comfortable cognitive space of, of, of planting your flag down in an area and saying, okay, we'll settle here because this is like, you know, it, it requires a lot of, uh, I think, a, effort and energy to question everything and to be agnostic about everything like Robert Anton Wilson. I, I, I love mm -hmm. him. I love mm -hmm. him. He's one of my favorite thinkers. Yeah. And, you know, 
it, it, I think it, it's just the laziness or, or it's just like, you know, it's just like, man, I don't want to expend the energy. I found this. This is good. This makes sense. But you're like you said, you're just opening the key to the first prison and entering a, a new one. And it's like, right. hey, maybe there's right. a couch in here, but, right. you know, you're yeah. going to be totally. there. You're just there now. And you're just and you're just yeah. doing the same thing that you're railing against. You know, you're you're That's you're right. you're fighting against that the same system within the system that you're, you know, that you're fighting against. And it gets a little confusing when you, when you talk about it so much, but cause it's hard to, I, I think about this too. Like I'm so just blown away every time I read like Carl Jung or like, um, I don't know any, anybody that I'm, that I'm currently like getting involved with and, and I'm, and, and I'm just like, wow, like all this stuff is opening up, but I can't just like exist in this nether region of abstraction and just That's i would be one. i would be lying on the floor of my apartment just foaming at the mouth all day like oh man just like enraptured by awe and and not attaching to anything so it's like we kind of have to pick a, a highway to get on but i think that's what it is it's not a room it's a highway where we're constantly moving right absolutely man it's definitely a continuum that's constantly unfolding and i think the problem with that is that that implies the fact that there's no destination that implies the fact that there's no final answer and for a lot of people that's not acceptable that doesn't that's not palatable right yeah like, guess what man it's a forever trudge through the gray area <laughs> have fun like that's not very inspiring for most people hey you guys want to go on a hike through this massively infinitely long trail of gray <laughs> like most people are like nah i'm good like it or not that's what we're doing yeah i love that's it i love that i love exploring that because it, it there's so much there there's so much. I mean, there's all there's all this this wonder. I think you po- you posted something actually pretty awesome the other day with the wizard surfing, and you were like, yeah, "What are we yeah. What are we fighting about? Let's just explore the wonder and awe of right. everything." Yeah, yeah, but that's that's right. I, I think I think there's like there's something that's definitely scary. I think about that too. You know, going within and mm-hmm. um, I had a, I remember I had a guest on the show. Um, and we were talking about, he, he was a, he's a non psychedelic person and, and I had asked him a couple of psychedelic questions or about psychedelics. And he was like, yeah, I tried mushrooms once and, uh, I didn't like it. I was really scared because I, I was, I went to this place and it was just like, it just wasn't fun. And, you know, I was thinking about all these things that happened in my life and I just didn't want to be there. So, you know, mushrooms just aren't for me. And, you know, I kind of was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, if that was your, you know, experience. But then I also kind of thought, well, yeah, man, that's kind of like the point, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't really, you know, I didn't like to like look at the dirt under my rug. I just rather leave it there. It's that's kind of, it's, to me, it's, it's sort of like, I always think about it as some like, like psychedelic spring cleaning, you know, you know, that the gears are gummed up, you know, just by virtue of existing, you're accumulating all of this stress and all of these pressures and all of this, you know, self-flagellating, self-deprecating thoughts and worries about your mortality. It's all these things that like are part and parcel with existence. And it's so difficult to address those directly unless you're really diligent about meditating. And it's like, it's just something you do every morning, every night before bed. And you're, you know, unloading that stuff on a daily basis. But the vast, vast majority of us are not doing it. So you've got to almost do it like a dental teeth cleaning where mm-hmm. it's like you're going to go to the place with 
the drills and the scraping and the whatever. Oh, that little hook. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it gets the job done. It and gets I, the job you know, done. And sometimes yeah. it's not fun, but you feel a lot better when it's over. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's really kind of what we're going through is that we we live in the in this in this this culture that has mainstreamed the idea that like we really we need to feel good all the time and if we're not feeling good, then there's something wrong with us and if, you know, it's not about like, you know, it's not it's not about experiencing the uncomfortable. It's about just trying to get whatever's comfortable, whatever's quick, easy, get that dopamine hit shove it under the rug, forget about it. I mean, you see this the way, you know, I oftentimes look at it in, in, in a sense of like, well, if we were in any society where we had some wise leaders guiding us, well, they would be sort of leading by example. And like, you know, and then we, they, we look at it like the population and like all the problems that we encounter, we're like, well, we wonder why, you know? And, and wasn't Plato, didn't, didn't Plato think that we needed that? Like we needed like a system of like wise leaders to guide us. Was that his his thing there like he he thought that we di- we needed um like we needed some some structure yeah, of wise elders to guide the society he, he may have i am sure he might discuss that in the republic because yeah. you know he talks a lot a lot about um the ideal way you would construct society i don't recall that specifically but i know for him like being a philosopher being a lover of knowledge was like the bottom the bottom bottom line and you got to remember too, like we were talking about in the beginning of this podcast, for, for him, being a lover of knowledge and the rational wasn't just like this intellectual endeavor. It was spiritual. Right. It was like when, when you, like for him, the soul was divided into three portions. So there was like the, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to remember the exact words he uses but the topmost level of the you know it was basically like you have the animal soul you have the the um kind of heart heart based soul and then you have the mind and the mind should rule over all three there's like there's a a healthy alignment of all three that you should achieve but ultimately it's the the mind is the closest to the ultimate reality to the transcendent to the realm of forms whatever you want to call it and the more we can get into that the more of a philosopher we are the more of a that's what it means to be a, a knowledge or wisdom lover to him so it's like this it's this thing you're doing with your soul not with your brain you know we think of thinking now as like it's this thing we do with our brain to him it was a thing that you ultimately did with your soul so i think that's what a like what a leader to him meant you know if you if you weren't a real leader or a, a real fully formed person unless you were on that that kind of a path yeah yeah and i think that um when you're on that kind of a path and I, I, you know, oftentimes I hear people talk about how they got enlightened, you know, or, or something like that. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I've had experiences, I've had moments come and go. I, I, I don't, other than maybe a few people, I mean, I don't like some, some, yeah, I'm thinking of like, maybe like someone like Sadhguru or Choyong Trumpa Rinpoche or, I don't know, maybe some of these people, Dalai Lama, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but for me, I'm thinking like for most people I meet that they claim that they're, they're enlightened or they're woke or whatever, I'm not really buying it. And, and, and I, and I kind of think that it doesn't really exist. You know, I think, I think it exists in moments. I think it exists in like constantly that. calibrating, mm-hmm. like, like not necessarily 
it's not this linear path of like, well, we reach this place and then everything's okay. I think it kind of comes in this this radio dial, this calibration of moments that occur where it's like you go from like this maybe enlightened state to back to the egoic state and, and, and somewhere in between. And then our jobs are really to try and like make sure that we can kind of have a good grasp on that dial to not go too far in, in, in the negative directions, you know? Yeah. Well said, man. It's definitely peaks and valleys. And, and I think it's easy. Like there are certain maps, I think that do a good job of approximating it, you know, like the, the hero's journey or the, um, the psychedelic experience or the peak experience in and of itself, because it's a, it's a, it's a wave, right? It's like, there's a, there's a crest, there's, there's a starting point, there's a pinnacle and then there's a point where it goes down and like it's just that's just how life is man that's what it is it's a continuous succession of waves and i think there are better ways to navigate the waves but you're not going to just ride to the top of the wave all the way through and like get to the top and like now i'm there that's not (laughs) wouldn't that be awesome though (laughs) i mean just constantly like woo like you know i I, i've i've had I've had time like now I, I feel that I can accept that more, but I've had times where I had like some resentment about that. Like, damn, I, I, I was in this like monumental, just like exploding field of epiphany and enlightenment and euphoric energy and ecstatic bliss. Fuck. I want to be there all the time. And like, I think I, I when I, I had Corey Allen on the podcast and he said, well, I mean, he was like, that's available to you. You know, he said like, that's available. And I didn't understand what he said at the time when he said that. But I think through med- I think through meditation and daily practice, it's been apparent that these sort of unsexy things are the sort of, you know, um, just ways to unlock a portion of that on a more consistent basis. You know, do you do you have uh, daily practices that you that you engage in? I'd like to say I do. I mean, I, I, I'm not as, I'm I like not the as idea of it. Yeah, I should be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's another battle, you know, it's like, but I, it can become something that doesn't require, I want to be real careful about how I say this, but I think it can become something that doesn't require an overt action, like sitting down to meditate, but it has to be at first, especially at first, because it's kind of like, you don't know, you have to have a very good idea of, of what you're going for. And for me, you know, I had a, another conversation with, with Corey, Corey has become one of my best friends. So we talk like all the time, but, um, yeah, his, 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 his meditation course had really helped get me started. I, I had him on the show and then I got released into now and I, because I had I had done these guided meditation things like for a little while, and I've tried and failed and tried and failed. But Corey's was really the one that propelled me into kind of making it my own and just doing it my way, and 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 then you know continuing on and not being like, oh shit, I didn't do the thing the way that I was supposed to do it. You know, so that's yeah. great. That's yeah. great. But we were talking about. I think it was on a, on, on a podcast. I'm not sure if it was his or mine. We've done like, we've done like, I don't know. I've been on his like 10 times. He's been on mine like 10 times, but um, it's kind of like, I brought up the point that a lot of people don't realize that being quote unquote mindful, isn't this like weird, mysterious space. You just get 
when you're meditating, it's right. sort of like you're supposed to do everything like that. You're supposed to pay attention to what you're doing when you're doing it. You're supposed to think about the way your body feels when you're walking and the way what your mind's doing when your mind's doing it and the way your arm is moving when you're you know, at the gym doing the exercise and the way it smells when you're eating your food and the way it feels when it's going down your mouth and the fact that you should be thankful for the for where this thing came from. It's like, it's this constant mindset, you know, of appreciation and equanimity and, and, and being there and interfacing and nobody's perfect at it. And the more that you're doing, the more that you're doing and the more distractions that there are, the harder it is to be that way. And that's why it's so important to just actually sit and only do that because then you're removing all these other distractions. But ideally you can get to a point where it's not only when you're doing that, if that makes sense. Totally. That, and that's where I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going through, I don't want to say that I'm fully there yet because I still have moments no, where I'm not no there. No one no is one. right. Yeah, exactly. So, but it, it helped me get there. It helped. And I, I, when he said that to me, I didn't understand it at the time. And then through the practice I understood. And like, you know, if I'm, I'm walking in the park and I'm just like, I'm just absorbing it all in, you know, and, and, and I think that's really, that's really when you can, I think, be your best and do your best, you know, when you're totally fully absorbing all the, you know, the sensory input data signals are in tune and in harmony and you're just like, okay, cool. Like I can be level-headed and I can act in a way that is appropriate and not going to disrupt the you know psychic environment in which i'm in that will cause somebody else to react or act in a certain way or i won't react or act in a certain way but i will just appreciate this for what it is and i think you know that's it sounds like a weird thing to say because it almost sounds very simplified but i think that it's very difficult to sort of put that into language it um, is, yeah when you're it's just experiencing it. yeah it's hard it's hard to language it yeah Interesting. Well, I guess uh, before before you go, is there any kind of final thoughts or anything that you want to communicate out there? Some stuff that you're working on right now, or or thinking about, or in really kind of enjoying? Yeah, I mean, it's always always the podcast, of course. Third Eye Drops um, comes out every week. It's it's just I guess it's I guess it's my church or something. It's it's my it's my way of of gumming off the gears, like I talked about earlier. And um, I have been thinking a lot about this process of looking inward and, you know, the traps that people uh, tend to fall into. And I think if, if, you're, if you want to plug more into that, that article that we've been talking about is a really good way to do it. Um, and you can just find all this shit at thirdeyedrops.com if you're, if you're interested, friends. Find all the shit at thirdeyedrops.com. Yeah, you are the answer why it's more important than ever to become your own guru. Michael... Thank you so much, Michael Phillip, for, for being on here and, and jamming out with the Mikeadelic, uh, well, with me and my crew. And my crew. <laughs> my, I, there's no crew. It's just me, but my audience, yeah. <laughs> I'm, down, I'm down to do it again. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it again. Likewise, my man. All right, take care. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it. Tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell. Share it, spread it, like it, 
all that good stuff. If you if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com, patreon slash Mike Brank and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank. And you can donate as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you want. Help support the show that way as well. But remember, I love you guys no matter what you do. I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts. Message me. I like hearing feedback. Get in touch with me on Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast, Mike Brank on Facebook as well. And um, thanks to our sponsors, Synchro and Hemp Bombs. If you want a discount on keto, genic, and plant-based nutrition products, go to Synchro and type in the code uh, Mike Adelic at checkout to get 20% off. And they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called Keto Mana that I have all the time because it's it has like no sugar and carbs in it. So it's great. And, um, and it's delicious. And if you want CBD, uh, go to hempbombs.com and get 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.